the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, is a wonderful chapter. It's where Jesus, of course, says that he's going to leave, he's going to prepare a mansion for all of us, that where he is, that we're going to be there also. Uh, the problem was the first group that he tried that out on happened to be his disciples. It was the furthest thing from what they needed to hear. We're going to take about 20 or 25 minutes to deliver the message. You see the cards, and uh, then we're going to take and give you a chance, an opportunity to pray, and, uh, and to take a card and just pray over them. And let's believe God for maybe 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes, and we're fasting, so we're doing all the things prescribed in Scripture that we need to do for God to be able to answer extraordinary challenges that we might have. How many of you know what it feels like when someone breaks a promise to you? May I see your hand? Promises that are broken. There are some that uh, you say, well, okay, don't worry about it. But then there are those big old promises and vows that we often make that, that are broken. You know, that causes our dreams to be shattered if someone breaks a major promise. Causes our hearts often, if it's in relationship, to be crushed. Causes our self-esteem to be, what, what's wrong with me? I, why didn't I deserve to have that promise fulfilled? It causes us to have a will that says, boy, faith and trusting, uh, that's hard to do now that this has happened. Uh, a desire to, to live is questioned. I've run into that many. I just don't want to go further. I don't want to go to church. My, I'm embarrassed my whole life. Of families are torn apart and, and separated. And, and when someone breaks a promise, it opens the door wide to say that person doesn't have any credibility anymore, or it opens the door of mistrust and unbelief. And we go through that. And we live in a society today that the need and desire so desperately among society is to find someone that you can trust and find someone that you can believe in. And that's culture today. And yet we have more promises and more trust agreements that are broken today than ever before. And yet the desire and the creation of our hearts and lives created by our Heavenly Father, who's the Creator, said, hey, we all want someone that we can hang our hat on, someone that we feel that we can trust, for our back is, in fact, against the wall. And you say, well, if I have a promise that's broken in any area that you choose, then to whom do I look now? Where do I go? Uh, what do I believe in? Uh, how can I get restored faith? How will I ever live beyond that? Let me suggest to you, don't ever run from a situation where a promise has been broken, all right? Don't change behavior. Get on your knees and trust God. Do not hide your head. Stand up and face the wind and said, God, this may be a broken promise, but in the midst of that, there is something greater you have for me than just this broken promise. Y'all help me out now. Tim already warmed you up a little bit. So how do we go from the chasm and the valley of desperation, disappointment? to the supernatural mountain of fulfillment? How do we go beyond when we're faced with frustration and trauma? And Jesus has stated that he is going to depart from them. That's new news. It's not in their focus at all. And the question is that they had, how in the world are we going to enjoy the promises that you have made to us? And this time we've spent with you in these almost three years now how, how are we going to see these promises come to pass? 
You spoke the word. We know you've done miracles. We've witnessed it. But how are we going? How's it going to happen? And they were still thinking in a natural term. They were still thinking in the term where two and two is four. And they forgot to believe that, hey, there is nothing often rational and practical about God and about how he works. Fulfillment and success in my life, I found out a long time ago, is not dependent on what happens to me. I think you have to decide when something that is difficult happens to you, you might want to say, how is this going to affect something in me? This to me has happened, but how's it going to affect something in me? And I've got exciting news. So if you have your Bible, you have your, your, advice, your uh, devices there. Here we go. John 14, verse number 12, promise of potential. Say that with me, promise of potential. So here we go. I tell you the truth, all right? Hang your hat on that. I tell you the truth. The truth will stand time. It'll stand challenge. I'm going to tell you the truth. Here is an absolute fact. He said, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. They don't get it. Disciples don't get it. He will do even greater things than these, even greater things, because I am going to the Father. Okay, we heard you. How does that, how does that work in our behalf? You're the miracle worker, the promise maker, and you said the truth is if we have faith in you, I mean, we, we followed you around all over the dusty trails of Galilee and Jerusalem and Canaan, all those areas. We, we have faith in you, but they don't get the intellectual truth that is spurned by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is presenting, and when he presents the truth to them, it's almost more than they can manage. It is heavy. It's unsuspected. It does not fit in the expectation of their mind, and it's not received well in their understanding. They have not taken that step into the supernatural, not taken the step, though they have seen the supernatural, they've not taken that step. And their response is negative. So let's pause here. How many times have things happened to you that you did not understand, that you could not calculate, that did not make sense, that did not add up, that did not bring to pass something that was happy and fulfilling, how many times have you responded negatively toward that? How many times have you responded and say, buddy, I don't get this. And often human nature will begin to recite to God all our faithfulness. I did what the preacher said. I've been at church. I'm this, I'm that. I loved giving myself everything I have. And man, here it is this kind of broken promise. They respond to it negatively. And Jesus then explains to them something that you and I now have the ability to get that they didn't get at that time. John 14, 10. Do you believe? Do you believe? Can you wrap your head around it in full fulfillment of your heart and mind? Do you believe that I am in the Father 
and that the Father is in me. Pause. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, let's pause here. They've yet to grasp the fact that at conversion, a transformation takes place. Where does Jesus live when we pray a sinner's prayer? In us. Is he abstract? Is he out there? What does he do? He comes in us. In us. He abides with us. He's real in us. Though we have never seen him, we see his manifestation in our behavior, in our action, and in his word. So he's saying to them, don't you believe that the Father and I are one and that he is in me and whatever you see that I have ever done, I didn't do it alone. I did it because the creator of the universe abides in me. Now, that will become extremely important to all of us. In other words, as the miracles are performed, it is because of the supernatural deity of God. And so, Jesus is the Son of God. He's supernatural. He's all-powerful and all-truth. And as long as Jesus is with them physically, as long as he's with them physically, they will never be able to be used by God and understand what it means for Jesus now to abide in them. They won't get it as long as they can touch him, as long as they can lean on him. I mean, my gracious alive, why in the world would you wash a kitchen full of dirty dishes when you got a dishwasher sitting there? Hello? You say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw these dirty babes right in that dishwasher. I'm going to crank it up and fill it up with all that soap powder and stuff. And it's going to wash the dishes. And after all the noise and racket has died down, I'm going to open the door and Allah, there they are clean. Understand this now. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, as long as you can lean on me, you don't have to exercise your faith. As long as you can lean on me, you will never mature into a dynamic believer. You will never know what it is to stand on the edge of no return. And as you take a step, know what it feels like to feel that strong hand of God grab you about the time you're going to move forward and just pull you back. You'll never know that as long as I am standing there to help you down. We understand that. He says, I and the Father want. Now, it's going to flow here in a moment. You'll never reach that full potential. He's saying the miracle is coming when God, through the power, here it is, of the Holy Ghost. Say that with me, of the Holy Ghost. When that Holy Ghost reaches down, he's going to bring 212 degrees that will heighten your ability to do what you cannot do. So he understands and says, now at conversion, I abide in you. But he said, just as the Father and I are one, 
There is a moment coming. They did not understand it. We're in the Gospel of John. Acts 2 has not taken place, but he said, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come down and light a fire on you. Somebody say amen. And it's going to energize the common faith-filled man. You will understand that will anoint the simple vessel of clay, empower the minds and hearts of ordinary people, and that degree will jump to 212 just like that. We'll prove it, Pastor. Okay, I shall. It's important. Matter of fact, it's right here. That statement to the devil and to the unbelieving world, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive what? You shall receive what? When the what? Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be what? Witnesses, that is declarators of the truth in Jerusalem and in all where? Judea and Samaria and to where? Eons to the end of the earth. That which is known of man and that which is not known of man, God will always have his message reverberating to the ends of the earth. Why? Because of the power that is in you. I'll tell you the truth. When you look at that, the disciples thought that their dilemma that Jesus was talking about was there to crush their dreams. But here's what Jesus knew that they didn't. The Holy Spirit cannot come until I leave. You with me? He cannot come until I leave. And when I'm gone, I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Some of y'all better get ready to do something. I go and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father, but you will know, hallelujah, you will have a practical understanding, a physical feel. You will know that I made it because when that happens, an anointing will fall in Acts the second chapter that the whole world will read about and know about and understand that power has now come. Acts 1. So in us, in our time of prayer, the disciples thought that dilemma. God said, no, I'm about to raise you up to a higher potential. How does God make us better through the challenges of life? So our challenge and our difficulty and our disappointments and the times our heart has been broken and the times that we can't figure it out, every single time. Say that with me. Every single time. Say it again. Every single time is for God's purpose to do something greater in your life. Every single time. So now I look at the things I don't understand differently. I look differently now at the challenges that I face. I look differently at my situation. I've come to understand, guess what? He's knocking on the door for change in my spirit, man. Number two, power of divine what? Participation. Power of divine participation. John 14, 13, and 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. He said it twice. Did you get that? said it twice. Pick up your clothes. 
Did you hear me? I said, go pick up your clothes. You see, close the refrigerator. That's right. Close the refrigerator. Always emphasis when it has to be stated twice. But he said, here's what I want you to know. You can ask anything in my name and I'll do it. So I, I, want, I want to be careful. When you get closer to Jesus, you don't ask for frivolous things. You ask for things that glorify the Father. You don't ask God, bring me a two-tone gray and pink Cadillac with spinners on the wheels. You don't ask for that. You know why? Because the heavenly Father says, hey, there is nothing you're ever going to need but, I'm, but what I'm not going to give you, and if you stay in the vein of bringing glory to the Father, I'm telling you, I'll give you things that you would never be able to enjoy or have in your possession because of one thing, I love you. Amen? Amen? I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus realizes that two things are in their future. We're in the Gospel of John. Here's number one, dynamic power of spirit baptism. And here's number two, an antichrist persecution and spiritual challenge. He knew on the one hand you are going to receive more anointing, more power, more knowledge, more wisdom, more boldness than you can ever imagine because here's the other thing that's going to happen. You are going to face persecution, and you're going to face great difficulty. And because of that, they then, the common vessels of clay, are going to become, here it is, we're going to see the testimony in a moment of just a couple, believers of strong conviction. In other words, no one's going to be able to shake you if you're in the Word and if you're flowing at a boiling point of 212 degrees. And believers of great faith, my God can do anything. He can do anything. Believers who will not retreat from conflict, that will not run from accountability, run from responsibility. Believers with a supernatural faith. Well, what does that mean, supernatural faith? Supernatural faith means, hey, I cannot make it by my own action. I have to have the anointing and the hand of Jesus functioning in my life. If you leave it up to me, I'm going to get lazy. I'm going to get apathetic. I'm going to get negative. I'm going to question. I'm going to do all those things in the natural. But here's what's happened to me. I have somebody living in me that is pure, that is holy, that has never sinned, that resides in me, who happens to be my brother in Christ. And not only that, the heavenly Father is with him. And now in Acts 2, I've got that power dynamo that is coming in that will show up in my areas of weakness for when you are weak, I will make you strong. That's the kind of life that we enjoy. Somebody say, amen. We don't flirt with the edge. We don't flirt with the edge of apathy. Well, let's talk about Peter. Acts 2 verse 38. Peter replies, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. You know when that was stated? Just several days after he had said, hey, I don't, I don't know him. 
I don't know what happened. He had that indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit that changed his life. He came to a, an intellectual awareness of, I ran into something that I can't explain. Here's another thing. He said, silver and gold, I don't have any of that. But such as I have, in other words, he was confident now. And I was warming my hands by that fire. All I had was doubt and embarrassment, and I wanted to run. But now I know I've got something silver and gold cannot touch. But such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And that same man brought to pass a miracle. Wow, what a change in that guy's life. Here's another area. Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight. But we're going to obey God. Brother, we're going to obey you. You can take that to the bank. Standing strong in that anointing, he said, turning toward the dead woman. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. May I suggest to you that that same anointing, that same power, that same promise. What about Paul? Just a couple of little stories here. Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm poured out like a drink offering. I've been pushed and shoved, beat up, knocked around, lied about, chastised. He said, but listen, I know there's something better because I fought a good fight. There's something better, and I have, I have finished my course. And here's what I know. I kept the faith. The word faith there is more than just I kept the belief in God. He says, I kept the faith. That word is expanded. It means to believe whatever God chooses to do, he can do that through me. The Apostle Paul, he continues, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is the kind of boldness that they had. I'm going to Jerusalem. And he continues on in that verse of Scripture. He said, in every city that I have been to, I have been warned that there were those in that city that wanted to take my life. And he said, you're not going to convince me that it is not God's will for me to go to Jerusalem, even though you tell me there are those there that are desirous to kill me. I am going, for I'd rather die knowing that I functioned in faith, honoring and glorifying God than to run the other way. You see, this thing about we are sleeping giants in us is a plethora of problems and challenges and mundane things that, that constantly plague us. But we sometimes, as a result of messages like this, need to remember that in us is something that you don't have to warm up. He's already hot. Hallelujah. Something that doesn't have to say, give me three days and I'll show you power. It's someone when you call on his name in faith, he said, I will deliver every single time. Amen. Not my will, but thy will be done. He's urgently encouraging them. He says, test. Try it out. Test. Step out there and test. Ask. And the divine participation of the Holy Spirit in you begins to do the will of the Father. What about the things that I've passed? I felt I've done that. And there are several years that didn't happen to pass. You know why? You're trying to control when it happens. 
You know, when faith says, I don't put a lot timeline on faith. I don't put an expectation. I just believe it's going to come to pass. No surprise to me. It's going to happen. Number three, promise of covenant relationship. Don't you love it when someone will say, there's never anything you're ever going to do to me, say to me, that's going to break my relationship with you, my trust in you, my belief in you. That's covenant relationship. Covenant relationship says whether you sign the contract or not, I'm in. I'm all in. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus has with us. Can you imagine a perfect God having that kind of covenant relationship with imperfect people? Can you imagine that? Why in the world should he give us the time of day? And yet he says, I enter a covenant relationship with you. And how many of you know, just you don't have to answer this, you've already broken enough promises to him that if he kept count of it, you wouldn't get anything. Did you know what he says? But when you ask me to forgive you, your sins, they're as far as the east is from the west. And the depth of the ocean floor is not enough for them to be buried. You can leave here tonight if you have had broken promises or broken covenants believing. What is the bond that creates the potential? And then the presence of the supernatural promise, he says, ask. It is the covenant of the relationship with God. And God says, I've extended my love. You accept, and here's what he says, understand the value of not my will, but thy will be done. Here is the, the key to that. You just be obedient. Just be obedient. He didn't say, you exercise faith. He says, no, you be obedient. If you're obedient, I promise you, you will enter into an arena you thought you would never enter into. If you love me, keep my what? My commandments. That's love. You see, when you know that you know who you are in Christ, and you understand his plans for you is absolutely complete, whatever the world would define success, it's different in the supernatural. And he'll not leave you forsaken. And he will never break a promise. He will help you walk by faith. How many of you watched any part of the Georgia-Alabama football game? Watched it? How many didn't watch it? There's one little note that took place during that time, and that was the young quarterback, Hawaii in, in Alabama. He's called in the second half. And uh, the quarterback that had brought him to to the national championship playoff, uh, it wasn't clicking, and uh, which suited me just fine because I was a Georgia guy. So the coach of Alabama made a change, which is a bold decision. He put his backup quarterback in. His backup quarterback never even lost stride. Matter of fact, Georgia, all their practice and all their rehearsal was on the strengths and the talents of the quarterback that had taken from the national championship. 
uh, they didn't rehearse a practice should the backup quarterback come in. And he came in with boldness. Fired passes downfield, made up a 13-point deficit. He never turned back. And on the last play of the game, dropped back and shot a pass to a guy who really had only caught, if my memory is correct, about four touchdown passes the whole season. He said, I looked downfield. And that last one, I looked downfield, and there he was sprinting all by himself he said i i dropped that well what do you attribute to at the end of the game he went straight to his father and gave his dad a big old hug i said now right there somebody's trained right secondly one of the sports and one of the news as they gathered around him what was going on this was his response. He's young. You see, he goes to Chris Hodges' church in Birmingham, Alabama. Chris Hodges, as a matter of fact, dated one of our staff members' wife. You just don't even go there. Chris Hodges was assembly of God. He said, every time I got ready to snap, he said, I was speaking in tongues. He said, I was using my prayer language. He said, it's just the Lord and me out there on that field. And he said, I used my prayer language. And he said, I just felt like, wow, my time has come. Well, you know what all the media had to do? They had to go to the dictionary to find out what does prayer language mean. <laughs> Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize that. But I thought somebody in the house got a whole lot of glory out of a little freshman quarterback who didn't even know he was going to get to play. But when they asked him unashamedly, he said, hey, I believe in that power. Was he skilled? Yeah. Do I think in some way or another, I believe, now you can say what you will, but I'm going to say that last pass, I think it was a pretty good pass. Now listen, when we get to the place that we are unashamed to give God glory, when it may not be the popular thing to do, you know what the Father's going to say? When you give me the glory, you ask anything in my name, and I'm going to be sure you get it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the divine anointing of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would guide us and abide in us. We pray because we have many prayer cards on the altar, and we know there are many more that are going to come in, thousands of them. We're going to trust you, Jesus. We're going to believe you. We're going to leave here tonight with something tucked into our heart. And we're just going to say, God, I want to be obedient want to do what you want to do and lord i don't want to let anything get in my spirit or in my crawl or under my skin any jealousy anxiety any pride that would hinder your move in my life i want to be at 212 and above and i claim that
So just in case there might be someone here in the room or listening online that's not right with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer, everyone. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, come in Jesus name, I come in Jesus' name, and I believe by faith, believe by faith that, he died that he died to redeem me, to redeem me from my sins. From my sins. I confess my sins, and I believe by faith I am now forgiven, and I sense your presence, the presence of God coming into my heart. I claim my relationship as a son or daughter in the family of God. Help me, Lord, to fulfill your expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We have cards here. I want to give you a chance to pray for 10 minutes here. If you have cards you need to bring forward, fix them out. Believe God. Ask anything. Trust the Lord. And some of you come. You, you won't need to take uh, several, but get, get one or two and just take it back to your seat or kneel here, and then we'll, we'll bring a benediction in just a few moments. How many know God's going to answer prayer? Amen. We believe it. Amen. So come on down, friend. Let's get a card. Let's believe God together, shall we?
Here I am to worship. 
at, uh, at your leisure, you're welcome to bring the cards back, fill out more and place them here. They're going to continue to worship another five minutes. You are welcome to leave at your leisure when you feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. You're certainly welcome to do that. Let's continue to pray. Pray for Sunday morning. Pray that God will move in a miraculous way. And this week, live at 212. Just ramp it on up, friend. Trust God. Do something extraordinary that will challenge your faith. In Jesus' name, I love you. God bless you, everybody. In the secret place of the Most High is where I abide. It's where I abide. And more and more I long to be by your side. It's where I hide, it's where I hide, in the secret place, in the secret place of the Most High. It's where I abide, it's where I abide, and more and more I long to be by your side. It's where I hide, it's where I hide, I desire you, I desire you in all I do, in all I do, my soul thirsts for you, I give my all to you.
Continue to worship tonight. They're going to play just for a few more moments. You can stay as long as you want.
Thank you, Jesus.